The Courage to Grow is business. The Big Small Business Show made possible by MTN Business, a new world of business. And by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Lead your industry with a responsible partner. Partner with the CASA today. On the menu today, what is the downside of having a retainer business? I get the upside. Okay, what's the downside? But you see a leader that rushes very quickly to compromise is a lazy leader. A good leader says, I start at A, you start at C, let's talk about it and I want to persuade you to come to my A. For instance, one of them told us that through winning their competition, they were able to secure six million from mm. IDC um, just by having that, that accolade. Welcome to the new format of the Big Small Business Show. Now you as an entrepreneur, I'm better than I, that uh, entrepreneurship is all about opportunity. But in order to get opportunity, we have to be taking positive action, pushing the buttons to see where the opportunity might be. Will it appear here? Or will it appear here? Ah, it seems like it appears here. Now we have to take the opportunity as soon as it arrives. Sometimes we think that opportunity is closing down on us. We have to take that opportunity quickly. Decide where we want to go and enjoy the ride. Now my guest today is Kevin O'Reilly who is the founder and creative director of Loft 13 Design and Motion. Welcome. Thank you. Right, so what do you do? What does this company do? So we're a video marketing agency and what that means is that we solve marketing objectives in businesses through the use of video. So we tie into the content creation strategy of a business. So in content creation you have many forms of media that you can use but we focus specifically on video. Um, So we handle the production side of it, so we create um, videos and animations, and our speciality is in motion graphics and animation. Mm -hmm. And then the marketing side is building the strategy around those videos and managing that process, and then measuring the results of the content that's created. Do you, who's your client? Is your client the ad agency, or is it directly the, the end user, a corporate SA or small business SA? Yeah, so, it depends on which arm of the business is being used. So for the, from our, our genesis was in the production side of things, where it was mostly production companies or agencies who needed a, special, a specialist to come in um, to produce the, the work that we produce. But in the past six months, it's very new, we've introduced this marketing side because um, we're seeing that a lot of businesses maybe can't afford to go that large scale of production and they're looking more into a strategy and how to measure results and understand that process better. So that's where the small businesses come in and uh, uh, is in that side. Uh, Loft 13, the name? 13 is my lucky number. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to play basketball, so that was my, my basketball jersey number. Mm-hmm. So it's a very cheesy story, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I've always loved lofts as a place of creativity, like an artist loft kind of okay. thing. Um, so that's where the, the name comes from. And would you say you're an entrepreneur? I think 
in my head I am, but I know that in the business I'm not quite there yet um, because I haven't figured out how to step away from it. Mm. It's still very much personally attached to myself and it's, I'm finding it very difficult to, to delegate and to hand over. So there's definitely a, a, something that I'm dealing with at the moment. I can't say that I am this entrepreneur because I can't put myself in the category of others who are doing things differently to me. Um, I do want to be there. I know that I need to go there, but I'm not there yet. So um, we're still in the process of learning a lot. And personally, I'm very much in the process of understanding entrepreneurship more and more and more. I'm still learning a lot, for sure. So, so when we asked you what are your challenges, you've put here how to exp expand my client network. I think every single business in the world wants to answer that question finding a mentor and moving from project-based model to a retainer-based model. Now I get that most small businesses in the creative space prefer retainers for obvious reasons. Mm. Let me ask a question differently. What is the downside of having a retainer business? I get the upside. Mm. Okay, what's the downside? The downside of a retainer client is definitely the lack of it venture that we can have in terms of producing creative work because we will be very limited in the framework of that business yeah and then also the freedom to go out and pitch a lot I think that would um, be a negative thing as well for us because we're not big so we can't have retainers and pitch so that would probably be the downside you know before we started you spoke about uh, when we were just settling you in and micing you up you spoke mm. about the fact that you we're out there doing a lot of pitches now. Mm. How are you getting in front of the client? What are you using to get in front of the client? So it's mostly on referral basis, um, word of mouth. Um, that's how I get in the door. So it's networking sessions or something like that. But I know we need to market better ourselves. So we're in the process of developing a content strategy for our business as well. And who, if you summarized all your different clients, would they fall into any type of category or, or let me ask it in a, a cross-angle kind of way. Is there any kind of video production client that you would prefer? For example, those in the lifestyle uh, industry or is it just general, you just enjoy production full stop or making video content? Yeah, I, I think personally it's mostly about figuring out what the problem is for the business and then solving that problem. I think that's where the joy comes in um, because with creativity, you can get very bored with something very quickly. And I think the problem of solving that problem for the other business, I think that's where my excitement comes from personally. So let me ask the next question because I don't know the industry that well. Do you think that there is, in certain industries, that there are certain types of ways that you would do video production differently for one type of industry than for another. So using my previous example, lifestyle brands, mm. that you would do content differently to, let's say, a financial services company. I definitely think so. There's definitely an aesthetic to each business. Uh, I think a general aesthetic. And then it's about, I think, challenging the status quo within that aesthetic. You, I, I think it will be difficult to um, pr produce content for an insurance company that is like a music channel, for instance. I think there are limitations um, in that, but there is a general aesthetic for each kind of business, I feel. 
Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we're back, we're going to continue this conversation and try and unpack some of the issues in Loft 13. Welcome back. I'm in location, at location. Well, I'm, I'm not in studio. That's where I'm not. With Kevin O'Reilly. And Kevin O'Reilly is the founder and creative director of Loft 13, Design and Motion. Now, before the break, we were talking about Kevin's journey as an entrepreneur. And um, I, I think his understanding of the industry and where, where I've been going right now is trying to understand if there are any differentiators in, in this market. Now, I I'm, 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 don't know your industry, but my sort of basic knowledge that is from a content point of view, and particularly video, is sort of in the early stages of its growth. Because yeah. we've moved from very much from voice to text, now to video. YouTube, of course, is blowing up in terms of mm. you know, how many users it has. And people are not interested now anymore in even reading. They just want to watch. Mm. Okay, so you've hit a market in a... In a at a very good time in terms of its growth. Mm. Do you perceive it that way or, you know, do, do you perceive it that way or do you have a different view? I think it comes down to what's happening in the real world. And yeah. I think internationally speaking, you're absolutely right yeah. that it is a very good time to do it. But there's so many challenges here in this country. Things like data costs, for instance, are a huge inhibitor for the use of video. Mm -hmm. So it immediately limits who can view this, the content, and then who can we produce things for. Um, so that's a huge limitation which definitely needs to change. But internationally speaking, broadly speaking, yes, you're right. Okay, so I'm going to come back to, and, and uh, if, you, if you've watched the show, you'll know that uh, my co-panelist, Kumaran Padiachi, always talks about sales strategy. And I, I feel that he's in the room with us today because Kumaran would be identifying exactly what I, I'm identifying now. In terms of how, how you target your clients, mm. would I be correct in saying is that there is sort of a, maybe quite a, a broad view of who is a client because any client is a good client right now, to be honest? I wouldn't deny that. I wouldn't deny that, you know. Okay. Um, I, I can't say no to that. Okay, so let me go to the next phase before I start and we'll go in, 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 in the third part I'm going to sort of summarize but I just want to sort of tick all what I'm, I'm thinking here. You've got three types of entrepreneurs. We've got the survivalist which I'm going to take you out. You've got the lifestyle entrepreneur and that entrepreneur has got a few people working for him or her, maybe 10 or 12 people. They, they like to call themselves boutique operations they love the work that they do, they make some good money, and, and that's what they want. That's really, they're more about the, 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 the art of what they do, you know, the thing that they do, they love that. And there's no real innate desire to grow beyond that, you know, and, and they can make lots of money that way. The second type is the, the growth entrepreneur. We speak about this a lot on the show. 
And the growth entrepreneur is about opening up um, a company that you know, grows and grows and grows, has 100, 200 people, maybe different branches around the country. Okay. When you think about Loft 13 into the future, which one resonates more with you? I think definitely lifestyle. Um, I definitely think that would probably be the best category for Loft 13 because we care about the work. I personally care about the work and to keep the consistency and that agility um, when scaling up, I honestly don't know how it could be done. Um, so definitely the lifestyle category is probably where we would fit the best, I think. If I broke down the business now into different um, functions, we've got the sales function, the pr actual production, the mm -hmm. making of the videos, mm -hmm. um, the, the, let's call you spoke about the research piece or the, create, not the creative, the, the uh, intelligence piece that's attached to that. You speak about the, doing the, the, book, uh, the books and the uh, administration mm -hmm. of, of the business. If I just broadly speaking, those four, five categories, and you can choose any more, where would you see your happiest space? Where, where do you shine and feel happy? I think where I really enjoy, and I'm enjoying more and more now, um, is the sales meeting with clients and understanding their problems and listening to them mm. and diagnosing what the problem is not just getting a brief and then executing mm. I'm definitely enjoying that space far more now but that's a recent thing mm. I came from really enjoying producing the work and and from a sales point of view we all know as entrepreneurs we get re rejected a lot yes. after, after you get rejected Okay, because I get rejected on a daily basis, you do. How long does it take you to recover from that rejection, honestly? I think it depends what it is. There are some things that are closer to my heart than others. Mm. And the things that are close to my heart, I'm still not over, yes. to be honest. Yeah. Um, the things that it was like, we were invited, we gave everything we could, we prepared as well as we could, and we didn't get it, then it's fine. We learned from it, why didn't we get it, what could we have done better? That's those are those things but there are things that are close to me um, as a creative when your idea gets shot down it always hurts um, so it there's two categories I would say um, okay now last question I'm um, I'm trying to really profile you I feel like a, a, a psychologist yeah you know I'm trying to, if I put a spectrum on the one side you've got creative mm -hmm. the big creative and so this is not a true spectrum so for all the psychologists listening this is not real this is just the way that I, I think on the one side you've got the, the big creative sort of more creative chaotic thinking and the other side you've got this organized disciplined everything in a box where do you sit on that spectrum definitely more in the organized one this side definitely okay definitely yeah. all right that's interesting eh? that's very very interesting I'm curious why you say that's interesting. Because I didn't read it that way and okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad you gave me that because mm. it gives me insight into how I'm going to summarize in terms of where I think you, you, should, you should be moving. Okay. I think what, what I want to do now is I want um, you to ask me one, I think the most burning question of all. Okay. Cause, and then after I try to answer that, we'll go into the third part of this, this um, interview and I'll try and sum up. What, what is the biggest burning question you have around your business? 
I think it's mentorship. Um, I know that I can only go so far on my own and I have been um, persevering, but there's a ceiling. I feel like there's a ceiling that I'm hitting and there's just that insight that I need from a mentor that I can bounce ideas off or to get out of my head, um, you know, sometimes. I think that is definitely something that I really need uh, because there's only so much I can load onto my wife, <laughs> who's also a creative. Okay. Um, so I think I need that somebody just outside of what I'm doing to say, you know what, this maybe is not so great and these are the reasons why, and to challenge my thinking. Because right now, I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. You know, Both my parents were fully employed their whole lives. So I'm the first one stepping out in my family, so to speak. So there isn't that backdrop. So I'm looking for that and it's difficult for me to identify who that person could be. I lied about the last question. Okay, I've got one quick question. Mm. As a percentage, what percentage of your time is in sales? And what percentage of your time is actually the production, once you've sold, actually making the stuff that you've just sold? It's heavily weighted in production, so I would say at least 85%. So there definitely needs to be more time spent on sales, but this is where the staffing thing comes in, which is I need somebody to do the work if I'm out there selling. So yes. this is, I think, what all entrepreneurs will have a challenge with when they create something. They're doing both, and they know they need to do more sales, but who is the right person to solve the problem if I step out of the production side. All right, we're going to stop there for this uh, part two of uh, our interview with Kevin O'Reilly. Um, when we're back, I'm going to be summarizing, giving some of my thoughts on where he should be directing his strategy for Loft 13. Welcome back. Uh, this is part three of my interview with uh, Kevin O'Reilly, who is the founder and creative director of Loft 13 Design and Motion. Now, before the, the break, we were in part two of our interview, and we were talking really about, I was really trying to understand whether Kevin is uh, a lifestyle or growth entrepreneur, where his passion lies, um, and how he thinks about strategy and about the market. So now I'm going to come to the, 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 the summary and, I, and I, I just want to say that I did get permission from Kevin to um, be direct during the break and um, so I'm going to be direct. All right. But it's actually not going to be as bad as, as you think because I think, I think let's start off with, with some of the very positive stuff. I think my, my impression of you up front is authenticity. You're an authentic human being. And that really resonates with, with somebody like myself, because f f from two points of view, I think it bodes well for your growth as an entrepreneur, because you're not bullshitting yourself about how great you are. You're open to, as you say, your, your biggest burning desire was for men mentorship. In other words, I'm open for feedback, which is a very important success factor, so tick. So that really bodes well for, for your future in my eyes. The second thing is the sense of I'm really, when you speak about the fact that I listen and I care, you know, a lot of people pay lip service to that, but they can't wait for you to finish speaking for them to speak. You know, that they're not listening, they're just waiting for you to finish speaking. My true sense is that you listen and you care. 
And I think that's a very important part of the sales function. So to me, the way that I would move this business forward is it's very clear from what you said in terms of how much time you spend in production, which is not your happy space, you might be good at it, you've got good at it, you've got some experience, and how much time you spend in sales is, to me, is out of kilter. To me, somebody like you with your interpersonal skills, with your level of authenticity, should be in front of clients, selling, listening and selling, and servicing and building a business from that point of view. The production needs to be handled by somebody else. Now the question is, how do you pay for that somebody else? So I've said this before on the show and I'll say it again, because you, I know you didn't watch that one, that you were out there selling on that day. But what I always say is this. The equation is a very simple equation. If the net profit, or sorry, if the gross profit generated from a sale that is as a result of the free time generated by somebody else in the business, in other words, because they're there, they've allowed you this time and you've then converted the sale, and that GP is higher than their salary, it's a no-brainer. That's the trigger point to, to employ. If you are a little bit nervous about that and the continuity of that and how much do I keep on selling, then you can use a many, um, you can outsource that to many freelancers today. You, you can't throw a stone without hitting a freelancer. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got a big opportunity to do that. But then there's somebody who's going to have to manage that who, 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 who knows what they're doing and whom you trust. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is a, it's easy to say. I know it's easy to say, but harder to do. But the point is that, you, in my opinion, if you don't do that, you're going to be in this washing machine the whole time. You're going to go from production to sale to production to sale. And 99% of people out there who are, in, who are in your boat understand this feeling and know that they can't get out of it. Mm. And at some point, you're going to have to have the courage to, to do that. Mm. Which comes back to the Kumaran comment around the sales, mm. right? So. To me, there's no strategy. And the question that I was asking up front in the first section was around the different industries. Mm. So does the financial services industry have a certain nuance? Does the lifestyle industry have a certain nuance? Where, which do you prefer? Which are you better at? Which has the highest prospect of growth? I don't think you intellectually looking at the solution. I think. You're in a situation like many entrepreneurs where you're like in survival mode mm. and you know, the, the, all your brain power is, is how am I going to get the next client? How am I going to service that client? It's not about the big strategic thinking. Mm. And I would say go away for a weekend. Go, like literally go away. Preferably by yourself. Mm -hmm. and, th and go watch this interview again listen to the questions that I'm asking and solve the, these questions for yourself. Because I can say something to you, but I don't know your industry like you do. You can only answer this, you can answer this 10 times better than I could. But this is what the questions that you need to, to answer. Number one, which is the right part of that market that I need to focus on? And, I would, and, and the answer would be which has got the highest growth rate in terms of the future. So let me give you an example. If it's any of the sin areas where, where advertising and everything is on the decline, okay, that might be both a positive or a negative. Mm. Okay, that's that might, okay. you say that. Okay. Um, 
what is the strategy in terms of who you're going to target? What is the address within the, is it the marketing director, is it the marketing manager? Which is the, which is the industries mm -hmm. or industry? What, who, who do I have to focus on? How do I get their, their names and numbers and in mm -hmm. front of them? What is my value proposition specifically to them? Sure. Okay. Not to a general. Mm. Okay. And where's my phone? to start, okay? Mm. Like that, it's as simple as that, is that you gotta go and focus on a certain market, mm. okay? That will start building that momentum up and some depth, and all the while, finding your courage to make that decision to make your first employee in that side, mm. okay? Knowing that that person is probably going to be wrong and being okay with it. Kevin O'Reilly, thank you very much for, for having the courage to be here. Please stay tuned to see what's coming up on the our version of the show this week. Leadership can say, but I've done nothing wrong. I've not broken any law. It's about saying, can I hold myself to a higher standard? What about morality? What about ethics? How, how about wholesomeness? How do I say I choose to be on the side of right, irrespective of the price? Welcome to the leadership series that we have been undertaking with Bonang Mohale. Um, every now and again, we get very lucky to have one of South Africa's top leaders in, in studio with us. And uh, today, or the last couple of weeks, has been uh, one of those moments. And we're very humbled to have a man with th this kind of pedigree uh, in studio with us to talk about something that's so important in South Africa at this moment, which is leadership. We've gone through the last two, two weeks, we've spoken about different aspects of leadership. We started talking about servant leadership, uh, and last week we spoke about uh, creating a vision and why vision is so important for leadership. Today we're talking about something critically important uh, for all leaders, and something I think even more important today, which is courage, the, that leaders should have the courage to lead. Am I right? Should you're, I? you're absolutely correct. You know, this word strategy is a militaristic term. It's about war. But business is about war because you compete at the country level, at business level, but also at an individual level. Therefore, when you talk about leadership, it talks about individual courage. Courage because you are hoping to enlist followership. People will not follow you if they know that you are lily livered. They will not take their faith and put it in your hands if they don't think that you have the courage of your conviction to speak truth to power, but also to speak your mind irrespective of the consequences. Too many of us die many times before our actual death because we know how we feel. We know the difference between right and wrong. We know that companies can be technically correct, legally right, and morally wrong. Mm. And yet we don't speak up because we say, but I've got a bond, I've got children, I'm paying private education, I might just lose my job. Imagine where we'd be if Holisa Nelson Mandela, who was middle class, a lawyer with Oliver Regional Tambo at Chancellor House in downtown Jubek, who'd have said, we are okay. The 32 million South Africans, that's their problem. Because if we dead speak up, not only will we be detained by the apartheid regime, but we could be killed. Mm. 
something in between. We could be sent to Robben Island where we could spend a long time. But irrespective of all of that, they knew the difference between justice and equality. And they prioritized justice, not just to be treated equally. And when you are on the side of the truth, you have to have courage because then they followed the might of the apartheid system. But one thing that they understood more than anything else, which is a mark of good leadership, is that the apartheid regime did not survive for 48 years. But we forgot that before then it was called segregation. For 250 years since 1652, not because of its military might, but because it managed to convince the Africaners that it is a right system. Therefore, the war would be, how do you get into their mind to tell them that this is a crime against humanity? That needs courage because you know it's hard work. It will take longer. It means engaging people, going to their places. It also means you face rejection. It also says you open it up, you become vulnerable, that somebody might disagree with you. It says you move away from depending on positional power and you depend on the strength of your words, on your arguments. That, to me, is what courage and courageous leadership. So where does, where does courage and compromise fit together? Do they belong in the same sentence? Absolutely. But you see, a leader that rushes very quickly to compromise is a lazy leader. Mm. A good leader says, I start at A, you start at C, let's talk about it, and I want to persuade you to come to my A. You want to persuade me to come to your C. But imagine if something magical happens. If we say, but my A is only my idea. Your C is only your idea. What if we collaborated, cooperated, without competing by saying, can we accomplish that which together will take us inordinately long? So instead of moving to a compromise, which is B, A, it's not C, it's B, you say, can we find something that's greater than A and greater than B put together? That to me, it's the synergy. That's when you take yourself to a higher level, which is what leadership is about. Because management is what people do. Leadership is going to a higher level. Leadership can say, but I've done nothing wrong. I've not broken any law. It's about saying, can I hold myself to a higher standard? What about morality? What about ethics? How, how about wholesomeness? How do I say I choose to be on the side of right, irrespective of the price? That's what courage is. That's why we talk about great warriors of women that came before us, because they were courageous. They wore their hearts on their sleeves, and they were prepared to take their people to a new place where they've never been. Because if we don't think for ourselves, we place our future in the hands of others. It is up to us to create our own new world. And that new world must lift us up so that as leaders we can lift as we rise. So, so coming back to the A, B, and C, right? The, the, you create the vision. We spoke about vision before. We spoke about the fact that um, our role as leaders is to create this vision. Now we do that. Let's call the vision of A. We then co-create B. With Don't we seem as sellouts to everyone who's bought the vision of A? You're absolutely correct. But you see, when what you think say and do are in alignment, you'll probably live longer, but you'll be happy, you'll be content, you'll be fulfilled. 
Therefore, the whole reason of having critical courageous conversation and organization is because you genuinely want to hear them. And if they say 10 left one degree, you put systems and processes, everything, the resources, time, energy, and effort in turning left one degree. You cannot do anything other than what your people have agreed. So if the vision is, let's improve the quality of lives of the majority of our people, that's the vision. So when somebody says, you know what, let's come up with NDP 2030 as an economic vision, the measure has to be, is this going to help us to improve the quality of lives of the majority of our people? If the answer is no, the program dies. That's what it means. If we say in business, our vision is to improve women's beauty, and we are L'Oreal, is to give them hope, then when we come with a new product, we say, does it give them more or less hope? And if you give them less, you say, then let's do it. Pfizer was a pharmaceutical company. They made medication. Their number one product was Feldin for hypertension. By accident, they stumble on something that when people take it, it cures African river blindness. But African river blindness is in Africa where people cannot afford their products. They could have said, we don't want to do this. But because their vision was, we try and remember that medicine is for the people, not for the money. The more we have remembered that, the more money we have made, they went ahead and developed it, knowing that they're not going to get paid. Later on, the UN took it up as a program to distribute it freely to Africa. That, to me, is having an alignment, a, an absolute concordance in our mind, in our thoughts, and in what we say, and symmetry in the way we walk, the way we show up, but also the way we articulate this vision. If it's not aligned, then we have not succeeded. We have less than a minute left. What's the most courageous thing you've had to do as a leader? I suppose to face my mother and say, I've studied advance for four glorious years, MBBC age advance. I wanted to be a doctor. But you know what? After passing fourth year, I want to be a manager because it stumbled upon me, knowing that she was going to beat the hell out of me. But I summoned the courage to tell her. <laughs> Vulang Mahale, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, we look forward to having you back on the show to talk about other very important elements of leadership, such an important subject for South Africa today. It's a promise, not a threat. Wonderful. Well, that's it for today's show. Uh, please stay tuned to find out what's coming up next. I got great feedback for somebody who went to, to the uh, event and spoke about how, how much networking was going on. Warm, 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 warm welcome back uh, from a very cold uh, Johannesburg. Now, MTN, a business, is committed to empowering business owners with knowledge and know-how related to modern technology. A digital masterclass recently took place in Cape Town and was aptly titled The Digital Industrial Revolution. Now, don't fret Durban and Joburg. You'll have your chance soon to attend one of these free workshops. Joining me now in studio to give you feedback on this event is Mandisa Ntloko, 
General Manager of Enterprise Marketing at MTN Business South Africa. Welcome back. Ah, thank you, Alan. So let's just recap on this digital ma masterclass. What, what is it? What, what and what are your intentions? So this event is an event that we started in 20, um, 2016, targeted at entrepreneurs, um, equipping them on how to digitize their their organization. So I think a lot of events, I mean, and a lot of entrepreneurs know what digitization is, but they mm. don't know the how. Mm. So the actual event is really focused on equipping them with actual skills. So we run um, workshops during the actual event, equipping them on, for instance, for instance on how to uh, build their own website. And, and you made a very important point that, that everyone sort of knows that it's here that we have to digitize yes. and that's where the whole world's moving and yeah. the big corporates have moved there and us as small businesses have to do it yeah. but don't understand the how. Yeah. Um, but there is still a swathe of, of small businesses that are completely undigitized. Yes. No, uh, uh, definitely there are. I mean, when we did our event last week, we actually did a survey mm. to actually look at, you know, the level of digitization within um, within the entrepreneurs. And there was certainly a number of, you know, startups mm. that are still kind of exploring and seeing what is the best way of, of you know, utilizing digitization. But I think a number of... Um, entrepreneurs are taking advantage of social media which mm. is really kind of hands-on using Instagram to actually position their offering um, using Twitter um, as well so I think you're right in terms of saying that there's still a number of them that really don't know the how and I'm hoping that with this masterclass we're actually able to equip them yes. um, to digitize their organization. One of the digital elements is, of course, apps. You yes. know, that there are, are quite a lot of, let's call it app platforms, which yeah. are easily reusable yes. and, and you are white-labeled in order to repackage for yourself. Did you cover any of that? Well, the exciting part of the program was we actually showcased um, the winners of the MTN App of the Year. Mm -hmm. And we had a new segment that we, which we call Hash Tell Your Story. Yes. So we had a number of app developers um, that had won over the years. Um, we had one that, you know, domestically, which I call it the Uber of um, domestic service, where you yes. can actually um, get a domestic worker to come and work at your uh, at your house using that the app so we had a number of of them actually showcasing the apps that have actually made a difference um, to people's lives so i think that opportunity to see real app developers talking about what they've done and how mtn has actually helped them you know for instance one of them told us that through winning their competition they were able to secure six million from mm. idc um, just by having that that accolade so i think the event demonstrated not only some of the available apps that they can actually utilize but how as entrepreneurs, they can also come up with ap applications mm. that can actually enhance their business. I got great feedback for somebody who went to, to the uh, event and spoke about how, how much networking was going on. There was like all this knowledge, but there was also like, like this buzz around networking as with entrepreneurs, with other yes. entrepreneurs. No, uh, certainly, and, and not only amongst um, entrepreneurs, we even had some of, you know, um, corporates who were partnering with us, your, mm. you know, your, your Samsung, and they were able to also 
um, interact, you know, with people that have been in the business for quite a, a significant time. What was the how did it feel? What was the energy like? The energy. It, what was surprising for me was a lot of interaction. You know, a lot of questions that were being asked and. And, you know, being in Cape Town, it was a, a nice mixture of, you know, people coming from your Kailiches mm. and your Google to plus the people coming from the from the suburbs. So there was a real good energy um, um, there. And 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 I, there was one um, one entrepreneur who actually has started a business in health and it came as a result of him as a child having to go and fetch his um, his grandparents' uh, diabetic medication. Um, so he was, you know, he spoke about his story, and yeah. I think that landed very well with all the um, the attendants. Mm. You know, kind of showing that you can actually start very small and come up with something that's really significant. Because right now he's not only looking at. Um, delivering medication, but also looking at how he, he partners from an HIV perspective, how he partners in terms of um, uh, coming up with an app that can help um, young people prevent pregnancy, you know, through contraceptive um, medication as well. So that was a great example for me. I just wanted to sort of on a, on a macro level, just mm. talk about MTN businesses involvement in, in, in doing this, because you know, I travel a lot across the, the continent, and um, we, we, there's, uh, Kenya uh, is, is sort of the poster child for, uh, for, for digitization, yeah. for being very much a digital, um, digitally focused economy. Mm. And I think it's very important that you see in the ecosystems that players like yourself are encouraging and enabling the environment mm. for small business. It's not just about business for you because that's obviously that's an obvious thing but yes. it's also enabling an environment for other people to thrive yes and uh, and you know the digital entrepreneur is not the only initiative that we offer to SMEs I mean I've mentioned the app of the year as mm. well and in June we're also going to be having the IOT um, con yes. conference where we are also going to be showcasing um, um, developers that are coming up with applications on the IoT mm. platform. So I would say, you know, confidently say that MTN is really playing a, um, a big role in in enabling entrepreneurs to utilize technology to really, you know, enhance um, their business. And and we, we've got very little time left. Mm. Uh, one thing that I also am told is that on your website you've got tips for entrepreneurs as well. Yes, we do. Um, they can visit www.mtndigitalentrepreneur.com mm. um, for tips and advices on on um, how to digitize their their business. And over and above that, they can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is mtnbusinessza. Mm -hmm. And we also have a hashtag um, digital ideas. We spoke about Durban and, and Johannesburg. Yes. Uh, uh, that, that don't worry. We've got any idea when, which months, which part of the year? For, for Durban, we're looking around um, August, um, September. Yes. And the, um, the Joburg uh, event is going to take place in October. In October, yeah. right. Well, yeah. do look, uh, we'll look out for, for that, and I will certainly go and attend that one. All right. Thank you so much for being on, on the show. We love having you here. You always bring uh, good, good news. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Alan. Please stay tuned uh, for my reflections on uh, the entrepreneurial journey. 
Well, it's time for my impressions for today. And today I want to take uh, my thoughts uh, out of the interview with Kevin O'Reilly from Loft 13. In that we spoke about a, an issue that entrepreneurs often have, which is when to hire and when not to hire. And when you're in that early stage of the business where there isn't sufficient income or regular income to actually pay for the second person or the third person in the business, it's a very, very difficult decision. And at some point, I just have to say, before I explain how to think about this, at, at any point, it's going to be a risk and a risk that you must be willing to take. But I can tell you from experience that in, in most cases, it's a, it's a risk that once you take it, you just find a way to make it work. So how do you think about this thing? You think about this thing in terms of time. So the question is, is when to hire? Okay. So here's how you answer that question. You have to think about, in terms of your, what you do, about the things that, let's say, you do least efficiently, the things that you least like. And if that can be done by a person who likes doing that and is efficient at doing that, and their cost is affordable, and I'm going to talk about what that means now, then you hire. So for intents and purposes, you say, OK, I've got the average month. And for most people, it might be 31 days. For entrepreneurs, it's about 64 days in a month we, we, we normally have. And then you work out in, in, in that month, if this other person actually did that thing instead of me, how many days would that free up for me, the entrepreneur? So let's say, for example, it was eight days that that was, was freed up from, from uh, doing that thing that you don't like. If in eight days of out there that you could dedicate that time to go and find other deals, looking for clients, and if the, the, the deals produced a GP that was higher than the salary of that individual, then the answer is higher. So let's put that in mathematical terms. So if the time is equal to more closed deals, that's what you have to say. If I'm freed up, will I get more closed deals? And you have to work out, well, how long does it take me to get a deal? What's the, how, uh, what's the lead time for me to close a deal? What's my probability of closing a deal? Do I get one out of every three, one out of every 10? You have to do this mathematically. So if I have that time, am I more likely to close more deals? If the answer is yes, then you go to the GP. If those clients produce uh, the GP a gross profit, okay, and that gross profit is higher than the salary of that person, then you hire. But there's a little asterisk down here at the bottom which says that you have to be able to do this on a continuous basis or believe you can do this on a continuous basis because these eight days will, will actually become available to you every single month and then allow you to then get more and more clients. That's the basic thinking around whether to hire or not. The issue is that we never know if this is 100% true. We never know if the, the GP here, what that GP will be, their gross profit will be, uh, and we don't know whether it's continuous, and that's what makes it also difficult. So the place that I focus on is this, is to ensure that when you target, when you go out and target these individuals, that the, the GP that you can produce from the clients that you target is actually going to be that high 
that you can actually afford that individual. Well, that's it for today. Remember, as always, if you think it, write it down and make it a reality. Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today. And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business. A new world of business.